Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It is good to be in the house of God this afternoon in Carson City, Nevada. Amen. I'm still trying to remember that this is the capital of Nevada. Um, usually you're expecting something a little bit bigger <coughs> city-wise uh, for a capital. But I'm still getting used to Nevada, so I'm learning all kinds of things. Praise God. And I want to say it's uh, my honor and, and privilege for my family to be here today and uh, also to get to know Brother and Sister Hood uh, and this church. Praise God. Uh, I heard, I believe it was Bishop Shoemake say that during 2020, at the height of the quarantine, and, and of course, California kind of has a different set of rules uh, than most, but under all of the terms that we had to operate, and sometimes isolation, sometimes seemingly separated, he said if, any, if that taught us anything, it taught us the value of fellowship. Isolation is a dangerous thing. I thank God that uh, we have people of like precious faith that believe the same thing and are working towards the same goals. Amen. When somebody comes to the altar and sparks at Souls Harbor Apostolic Church, I'm excited. But when somebody comes to the altar in Carson City at Revival Center, I'm excited. It's the kingdom of God. Amen. Brother, and somebody prays through, somebody's baptized in Jesus' name here, I'm excited. I support that. It's not my kingdom, it's God's kingdom. Wherever there's a church and a people trying to do what God wants them to do, I am 100% in support of that. I'm just glad y'all really close. Amen. I support it all over the world, but it's nice when it's within driving distance. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you, Pastor Hood, for having us. And um, we have a lot in common. The most we have in common is obviously our love for the truth, our love for God, our love for souls, and our love for coffee. <clears throat> Pretty much in that order, too. <laughs> Praise God. Anyways, thank you uh, for trusting us, and uh, I don't take that lightly at all. Uh, growing up in church, I heard ministers talk and talk about the value of the pulpit and the respect and the honor, and uh, you know, I thought I understood. But the last several months uh, here in Nevada pastoring, I have come to realize that pastor has a heartbeat, he's driven by many goals, he's driven by passion, and when he steps aside and invites somebody else to the pulpit that he fills, that's not a small thing, it's not a small thing to entrust somebody else to preach, not the same, because no two men are alike, but to preach with the same burden and the same anointing. 
So I don't, I don't take that lightly. I stand here uh, feeling, feeling that. I stand here humbled by that. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. It was about, I think, a week or two ago. <clears throat> I think it was about two weeks. I'm losing track of time. But I was sitting in the living room. My wife was in the living room, and we were kind of um, forced to be there. And uh, we're just kind of sitting there, kind of out of it. And I told her, I said, you know what? <clears throat> I don't even feel any inspiration. I don't know how others feel, but there's been plenty of times I've told my wife, I feel like preaching. I don't have anything to preach, but I just feel like preaching. Well, on that particular day, <clears throat> I didn't feel any inspiration. Picked up my Bible, and within a few minutes, that's why I said, you know what, I think I got a message. So if God will be my help today, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach uh, what came to me in a time when I wasn't really feeling inspired. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> verse 13 when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples saying whom do men say that I the son of man am and they said notice they said some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elias other Jeremiah or one of the prophets he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. It's just like Jesus to say, blessed art thou, and then a few breaths later rebuke you. <clears throat> Get behind me, Satan, you savor not the things that be of God. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thank God. I want to use this portion of Scripture today and preach a very simple thought. And my title today is simply No Middle Ground. There's no middle ground. I wonder if you could help me pray here today before we continue. Jesus, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing, your power. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. You've been good to us. I pray you would use us today in ministering of the word of God to help bless everyone in this building today. Lord, we're hungry to hear the word of the Lord. We thank you. We love you and we give you praise. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. I like discussing <clears throat> different topics with different people. I like hearing what others have to say about particular subjects. I may not even fully agree with their opinion, but it's interesting. Uh, the scripture says, I believe it's in Proverbs, they used to quote it all the time when I was a child, iron sharpeneth iron. And so there's nothing like talking to somebody who disagrees with you. <clears throat> Brothers, I'm not talking about your wife. I'm just saying if you're sitting down talking to somebody. <clears throat> I have no problem listening to an angle that's not mine. We could sit down and talk politics, and I would listen to you, even if maybe I don't quite see the side you see if there's any side to see at all. Uh, we could talk about economics. Uh, maybe we've got a little differing opinion. We could talk about health care. We could talk about governments. Um, I love history. We could talk about history. And I'm sure there's something that you could say and provide that is going to deepen or strengthen me, uh, or I may just not agree. But I have learned to listen. I have tried my best to not always shut down somebody who's talking to me, even if I don't agree with them. Uh, it's okay to, uh, and, and I'm not against neutrality, it's okay to be neutral sometimes on a subject. You know, there'll be asked, I could ask today, do you have an opinion on this? Or how do you feel about this? And some of you may not have an extreme opinion. You may not have a uh, extreme feeling about something and somebody else could get red in the face and really just stand up and say well this is how I see it there's nothing wrong with different angles different ideas different opinions unless you're talking about our salvation 
When it comes to the things of God, again, I, we'll sit down. I, I'll listen to whatever you think about politics. I'm sure what you have to say is better than what anybody else says. Or we could even take a middle ground, whatever. But when it comes to the church of the living God, when it comes to our salvation and our eternity, there's no middle ground. Uh, when it comes to us being saved as individuals, we can't take a neutral position. I know we may be sitting back today saying, well, I just haven't really made up my mind yet. I'm not, I'm not fully decided what I feel I think about God yet. And I'm not, I'm not fully decided what I feel about the Bible or what I feel about Acts 2.38. Friend, don't let me offend you today, but I got to tell you, no decision is a decision. To not decide is to decide. Amen. I don't know what I feel about the necessity of repenting of my sins. I, I still like to sin. I'm not saying you do. I, I still like to dabble around. I still like to, to partake of those things. Friend, there's no middle ground. We can't be playing games now. We don't have time to take a middle position. We don't have time to take a neutral position. Eternity is at stake. Your soul is at stake. Your family is at stake. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated today in our text in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus comes into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. That can be confusing. This is not the Caesarea that's along the coast of Palestine. This is north. Uh, based on what I could see, I've never been there, but based on uh, looking at maps, it's, it's quite a bit north uh, of the rest of uh, Israel, Palestine, Jerusalem, whatever you want to call the whole area there. And uh, it is also close to some mountains, one of them particular Mount Hermon. And so when Jesus came into this city, a city that was kind of rededicated, if you please, by Philip. And so that's why we have Philippi. But he said Caesarea in honor of Caesar. And so you can imagine the political arena here. You can imagine uh, the influence here. And when Jesus brings his disciples and they come into this place, he asks them a question. But he asks it in a global fashion. Who do men, what, whatever, what's everybody saying? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And their answer would be similar to ours. It's kind of a neutral position. It's kind of including everybody. You know, Some say that you might be John the Baptist. Others are saying you might be Elijah. The media is saying you might be Jeremiah. Social media I followed today said that you might be this or that. But Jesus brought it home and said, but who do you, what do you say? What's in your mind? What's in your heart? Where do you stand on this subject? Where are you at? I know what everybody else is saying. It changes every 30 minutes. But where are you at? Where is your feelings? What's in your mind? What are your thoughts? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. There was no neutrality in the answer. There was no in-between. Well, I think you might be. I kind of think you, you know, I'm not, no, no. He said, thou art the Christ. I wish today somebody would leave here today making up your mind. I'm not going to be wishy-washy anymore. I'm not going to be in between anymore. You are God and you are God alone. Hallelujah. 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 Let me move on here today. You may be seated. Thank you. And so Jesus is 
if I could say it this way, he's pleased by the answer. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood, your, your humanity is not what's fully driving this. My Father has revealed it unto you. If you have a revelation here today of the Godhead, if you understand Jesus and that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh, if you understand that, that you must be born again in water and spirit, you better thank God because it was the Father... It was God Almighty who revealed that to you. He revealed it to me. I'm blessed today. I'm blessed today. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee. Ah, but my Father, which is in heaven, and we could have stopped right there. That, that would have been fine. We, we, Jesus could have stopped the conversation. But Jesus always knows how to keep going further, to make sure there's no middle ground, to make sure there's no other question, make sure there's no in-between when it comes to him. He said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. This church that we are a part of is not built on some neutral position some middle ground position, some in-between position. It's built upon the, the thought and the mindset of God that God is manifested in the flesh. Hallelujah. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. The Bible says they won't prevail, but it didn't say they wouldn't try. And so we have here Peter is hearing Jesus say, Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There's authority in the revelation of Jesus Christ. God gave authority to his church, and he's explaining this to Peter. And so I'm just, in my mind, I'm trying to process that kind of as if I was there standing by Peter. So you're telling me that what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. What's loose on earth is loose in heaven. You're giving me keys to unlock doors in the kingdom. You're telling me that there's a rock that the church is going to be built on. Well, what are you trying to say, Jesus? Obviously, Peter still had some confusion in mind because he began to withstand the Lord when he said, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going I'm to have to be crucified. Peter began to push against that thought. He began to push against what God was trying to do. Anybody ever been out of line with God? Anybody ever found yourself kind of standing against what God was trying to do? This is where Peter found himself. Just, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm assuming just a short time after, after him saying, Thou art the Christ, Jesus is saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are not you you do not understand the things of God. And then Jesus has to keep going further. Therefore, let a man deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. There's no neutral position with the cross. There's no in between with the cross. There's no one hand, there's no one hand holding on to my sin and another hand in the, in the church with the cross on my back. There's, there's no one foot in and one foot out when I've got the cross on my back. The cross is the complete emblem of self-denial. It is the very emblem of the lowest of the low. 
you understand that crucifixion was the Romans' way of handling people they didn't like. And they had a lot of people they didn't like. But it was a way they handled the lowest and the worst of criminals. It was not, you know, I know we've got the cross on pictures and, and it's everywhere and, and whatever, that's fine. But that's not what the cross really meant. The cross was a dying out. The cross represented an altar, an altar of repentance, a dying out of the flesh, a dying out of a divided mind, a divided, die, dying out of, of the sin of this world. It's not, not what I particularly want, but that's what the cross is. So Jesus didn't just stop with the declaration from Peter that you are the Christ. He kept going further. Because he wanted to make sure that in their minds there was no middle ground. There's no in between. And then Jesus goes on to say, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever is going to save his life is going to lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Sounds contradictory. It sounds opposing. It doesn't make sense. Until our mind is completely submitted to Christ and our heart is on this altar, then we can say, I understand what Jesus was saying. That if I lose my life, I'm going to find it. What would I give? What would you give in exchange for your soul? I find... Just some things I've observed. If a person's mind is not fully sold out, if there is a question mark in the mind when it comes to the things of God. When I say question mark, I'm not saying that, you know, it's wrong to ask God questions. I ask God questions. But, you know, that question mark of what, what do I really believe? What, what am I really going to stake my future on? And I should say it this way. What are we going to stake our eternity on? In the 30s, there was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German theologian. And a lot of different things happened in his life that began to forge how he felt and saw things and how he saw the world that he lived in. And it didn't take much time after Adolf Hitler was uh, the, the chancellor, the dictator, we call it today, of Germany. And Nazi ideas became very prevalent in the society. That Germany began to take over religion. Germany began to take over churches. And they uh, began to pretty much state how the church was going to promote and align itself with the thoughts and ideas of Nazi Germany. And so uh, many church leaders, many denominations, I guess, uh, caved into that. They felt like they had nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. But this man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer began to speak out, and he was warned, don't speak out. Uh, he was eventually uh, isolated, and he started his own I'm going to say group or organization, and they called it the Confessing Church. But after a while, that could not even stand. At one point, uh, he went to London. He was invited to London, and it would have been the perfect escape. 
he went there and was pastoring, I believe it was two churches. Uh, but they felt he needed to come back and, and teach. And so he re-entered Nazi Germany. And he started a school, a, a Bible school, a theology school. However, it didn't take long before that had to become more secret and hidden because it apparently did not align with Adolf Hitler. And so there was people all around caving in to this pressure. Uh, you, you either did it or else. We know that from history. And so people were just appeasing Nazi Germany. They saw the atrocity that was happening to the Jews, but it was better not to say anything. But Bonhoeffer kept opening his mouth and speaking out against what was happening. And so then there was another opportunity for him to escape. His brother-in-law was a Jew. And so the family realized as things began to heat up that they needed to escape. And they barely got their passports in time before the rules changed. And I believe it was his niece said, Uncle Dietrich, come with us. Come with us. And it would have been better for his future in his own life, I guess you could say, to save his skin if he would have escaped when he had time. But he said, no, I must stay here. There was a couple different times in his life he could have left or he could have stayed and kept his mouth shut. But he continued to speak out. And it didn't take long before he was at odds. He was warned over and over. And if you know the story, he was eventually arrested by the Nazis and he was eventually hung. And he died before the war was over. I, I don't know about you, but if I was uh, Mr. Bonhoeffer, it would have been easier just to keep my mouth shut. It would have been easier to accept a more neutral position. Uh, we're not agreeing with Hitler. We're not agreeing with Nazi Germany. Wait, wait. We're not going to agree with that, but let's not say anything. Let's not, let's not stand up. Let's just kind of tuck away. We're going to let all of this happen and not say anything, but not this man. And he paid the price with his life. I wonder today if I have anybody in this house, in your heart and in your mind, it's so solid that no matter what happens, no matter what you have to face, God can count on you to stand up for what's right. No amount of pressure, no amount of peer pressure, no amount of, uh, of evil, no amount of obstacles would keep you from doing what's right. Exodus chapter 32, while Moses is trying to receive the oracles of God, in short, we call that the Ten Commandments, but Israel is quickly led astray by Aaron and they take the gold and they throw it in the fire and Aaron later lied and said a cow jumped out of the fire. That wasn't true. They fashioned a golden calf. My commentary on that is they probably learned that in Egypt, but that's just me. We won't, we won't put too much there. And so when Moses came down out of the mount, he's troubled by what he sees, dancing and worshiping and complete immodest behavior around idols. These are the people that God brought out of Egypt with a strong hand. These are the ones who, who watched the plagues unfold against Pharaoh. They crossed the Red Sea so much God had done for them. And they so quickly had walked away. And you read there in chapter 32 of Exodus that when Moses came down, he stood in the gate. And he made this statement, who is on the Lord's side? 
who's on the Lord's side. And so today, I think the question is still there. Who's on the Lord's side? You say, oh, the Lord requires radical commitment. Yes, he does. He does. At times, I'm wondering, Lord, can I even, can I even match up? Can I even follow? Can I even live according to your radical commitment? Oh, but that's what the Spirit of God's for. God will not require of us more than we can handle. But interesting enough, the devil also requires radical commitment. In my humanity, it's, it's always, you know, take the way of easier path. It would seem like the way of the world is less commitment. But, oh, it's not. There's a lot of things that have been pulled away from people. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of destruction. And so when Jesus is saying, you must take up your cross and follow me, that's not that hard. When I think about all the benefits, when I think about all the things that God is going to do for me, all the things that God is going to do for my family, all the things that God is going to provide. Jesus said he came. He came to put mother against daughter. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Son against father. And I've wrestled with this. Why would the Lord who created family say he was going to divide family? Why would a God who created the first family say, I've come, basically, and I'm not quoting, but I've come to divide the enemies will be of your own house? Well, it boils down to this. When we go to take up our cross, not everybody may see the necessity in that. It may be mother. It may be father. It may be son. It may be daughter, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. And I began to watch the last several years just going through life and watching family ties What's the old saying? Blood's thicker than water. You know, you could see two brothers fighting, and you go in to intervene, and then they both turn on you. So you just let them fight it out. A good way to get your face smashed real quick is intervene between family fights. <laughs> like, hey, guys, and they turn on you. Well, that nucleus, that bond is God-given. But the problem is sin entered in the world. And so the very thing God created can at times be a hindrance if one chooses to take up the cross, but another says, no, that's not necessary. And so God made it clear that to follow me, you have to love me more than anything else in this world including your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife. I love my wife today. I love my kids more than anything. But when it comes to God, 
God is first. I thank God for a family who we are united in the things of God. And I'm blessed today. That's not always the case. But if my wife chooses not to follow God, that can't change my decision. Furthermore, my kids cannot see me have a neutral approach to the things of God. Okay. They may see me stumble at times, Pastor Hood. They may see me weak at times. But when I'm weak is when I'm heading to the house of God. Hey, let's go pray. When they see me under the weight and knowing that, hey, dad's, he's, he's struggling, he's weak, there's, there's a lot weighing in. It's not, oh, I'm just going to lay out of church for the next three weeks. No, it's, son, let's go to the church house and pray tonight. I need a touch from God. I need something from God. The cross is seeming to weigh me down, and the enemy is fighting against me. I can feel the gates of hell trying to prevail, but just get me to church. Get me to the house of God. Let me hear the preaching. Let me hear the praying. Let me hear the worship. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to condemn anybody here today for being weak. I've been weak, friend. I'm not trying to condemn anybody here today for feeling weak even in your faith. No, no. I'm trying to encourage us. Just make up your mind. Just decide today. I'm all in. There's no turning back for me. There's no middle ground for me. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Ah. Maybe today somebody is in the balance and in your spirit the Lord has found your wanting, meaning there's a lack, there's, the balance is off. And if that's the case, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Maybe somebody today, your, your faith is weak. A lot of doubts, and fears, and things plaguing your mind. You're in the right place. Maybe you can feel the battle and the struggle of a divided heart and a divided mind. The most miserable I've ever been is when my mind is divided. When there was this appeasing attitude of uh, just to do enough, just to kind of get by and still have that look towards the world, but just kind of stay over here in the church just enough to just enough to get by. Oh, that's a miserable feeling. A miserable feeling. 
I don't know how you quite in if it's, is it okay to, to bring music, sister, if you come in music, I'm going to wrap this up. Several years ago, I watched a young person go through a lot. I was reminded of this over the last few days, week or so. Me and my wife would get in the car and drive. I think it was about 20 minutes out of the way. So then it's going to be another 25 minutes back into church. Mom and dad stopped coming to church. You know, when a young person's a minor, you still have to obey. That is biblical and it's also the law. But. And so there was a constant trying to walk through that challenging environment of keeping the opportunity to still go to church, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm even wording that right. But at any time, it could be said, you can't go to church anymore. There's nothing you can do about it. That young person just kept plugging on. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. There was a special youth thing. Or I think we were going to travel somewhere for a youth or a church event or something, whatever. Just plugging on. Just plugging on. I'm sure not every day was great. I'm sure not every day was high. I'm sure there was not always this resounding victory. Just over and over back in the house of God. Some few exceptions. A couple times wasn't allowed, but didn't stay consistent, thank God. Brother Hood, I looked over Thursday night. I walked back to talk to some of them. They had come. And we were in Arizona. Now my wife was there almost 15, 19 years. I was there 11 years. So, you know, there's a connection you build. So they were glad to see us. They're now adults. This one particular individual, she's an adult. Still living for God. Still living for God, of course, an adult, you make your own decisions, pay your own bills, all that good stuff. You know, it wasn't at 21, 25 that that decision was made, hey, I'm going to live for God. It was a decision made a long time ago. And then when that decision was challenged, it would have been easy. It would have been easy to say, no, it's just too hard. I'm not going back. It would have been easy. Many would have not cast blame for that decision. It would have made sense to the carnal mind. Would have made sense. Somewhere a long time ago, I don't know, somewhere between her and God and maybe a prayer meeting, I, I don't know or walk with God, they made up their mind, there's no middle ground. I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's stand today. <clears throat> I, I'm of the opinion, not to cross theology swords with anybody, but I'm of the opinion 
that the three Hebrew children did not make up their mind when they stood before the idol that, that's, that they're not going to worship idols. That, that's not where they made that decision. Now, that's what, we, that's what we read. That's what everybody's seen. That these three boys, as all of, all of Babylon is bowing down, and all of the Jewish captives are falling down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, there are three young men who just didn't get the memo. But that's not when they decided we're not going to bow. I feel that decision was made as in change they walked the long trek from Israel all the way to Babylon. We will not bow. They didn't know what they were going to face. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. They had no idea. They didn't know they were going to be facing a fiery furnace. But if the point of here's the furnace and here's your decision, if that's when we're going to make it, it's going to be a lot easier to cave in. But if you can make up your mind today, today, there's no in-between for me. There's no half in, half out. There's none of that. I'm all in. No matter what happens, Lord, I'm going to take up my cross. Then when the fiery furnace comes, when trial comes, we're standing tall. Let's love the Lord today. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, church, let's love God for a moment. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, let's keep talking to God for a moment. If you're in the balances today, if you're in that tug of war today, I just want to encourage you in the Holy Ghost, make the right decision. If you're in that in between, if you're, if you're in that tug of war, that's all right. Just make the right decision today. If you're in that up and down phase, it's, it's okay. Just make the right decision today. I'm all in. Let's love him all over this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I have decided. Come on, church. In fact, let, let's, let's come down to this front. Let's make our home in this altar here tonight, this afternoon. Come on. Maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe you need to make a decision today. Or maybe you need to recommit that decision that you made a long time ago because you're facing struggles and challenges. The preacher said there's no middle ground. The Bible says it. There is no neutrality. Come on. Come on. This is Revival Church. Come on. I've decided. Well, do you feel it today? No. I may not feel it today, but I decided today. Do you feel it next week? No, maybe I don't feel it next week, but I decided two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago. Come on, somebody make your decision in Jesus' name.
No turning back. 
Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, the world behind me. Come on, church, let's the worship the Lord for a few moments. Church, let's lift up our hands and let's lift them all across this building. Come on, he's in this house.